At the Canaan Church, our mission is bringing people to Christ and helping every person to become a mature disciple in Christ. Canaan Christian Church, where people dare to dream. want to direct your attention. There's a word from the Lord. I want to direct your attention to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 18. Matthew, chapter 18. And we're going to start reading with verse 21 through verse 35. When you find that passage of Scripture, if you'll stand on your feet for the reading of the Word of God. <clears throat> Matthew, chapter 18. Verse 21. Are you there? The word reads like this. Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times. Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to seventy times seven. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. But as he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and that payment be made. The servant therefore fell down before him saying, Master, have patience with me and I will pay you all. Then the master of that servant was moved with compassion, released him and forgave him the debt. But that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat saying, pay me what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him, saying, have patience with me, and I will pay you all. And he would not, but went and threw him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what had been done, they were very grieved and came and told their master all that had been done. Then his master, after he had called him, said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all the debt because you begged me. Should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant just as I had pity on you? And his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due to him. So my heavenly Father also will do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. <clears throat> I'm teaching this series about believing God for the best, but today what I want to talk to you particularly about in this series is walking in the spirit of forgiveness. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. 
I'm teaching today on the idea walking in the spirit of forgiveness. As I begin this teaching today, I want to call upon you to do something that will be very challenging. If I want to ask you to open up the vault of your heart and revisit episodes that were very painful. I want you to look at some circumstances that became moments in your life that caused you great misery. I want you to consider situations that caused you to have to grapple with serious sadness and sorrow. Has anyone ever hurt you? I don't mean rubbed you the wrong way. I don't mean they disappointed you. I don't mean they um, just broke your heart. The question I'm asking is, has anyone ever hurt you to the point that it caused you to struggle with going forward with your life? The kind of hurt that makes you have to grapple and struggle with unhealthy feelings. The kind of hurt <clears throat> that um, makes you finding yourself stuck in a bad place. Have you ever been hurt? I am teaching this series, Believing God for the Best, because that's, <clears throat> that's a word that God is speaking into our lives. We've entered into this new year and God says that as a saved person, he wants me to tell you that you can believe him for the best. 
That statement is so powerful, so pregnant with new possibilities, that I have no apprehension of telling you that your best days are ahead of you. And God knows he's been good to you. And yet, as good as he's been, your best days are ahead of you. Now, what I just said is not a motivational slogan. It's not a make you feel good statement. But it is a word for the person who is serious about their walk with God. Now, if you are satisfied with being religious, I'm not talking to you. If you're the, if you're the church person that's okay with being phony, you're all right with being plastic, you enjoy being pretentious. You just want to go through the motion. You come to church to play church. But you're not striving to be a disciple. You're not striving to walk with God. I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to the man or woman who knows that God is real who knows that the Lord has laid his hands on their life and who declares like the Apostle Paul, brethren, I have not arrived. I count not myself to have apprehended. But this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Beloved, God wants to bless you more than you want to be blessed. But I need to tell you, if you want what God has for you, You've got to be spiritually in alignment with his word. And so there are spiritual disciplines. Everybody shout disciplines. There are spiritual disciplines that we need to acquire and we need to exercise in our lives so that we stay spiritually in sync with God, that we will know his will and then we will do his will. And when you do that, then you position yourself to be blessed and highly favored of the Lord. So the first discipline I told you, you recall, is that you gotta learn to listen to the voice of God. The second discipline I told you is that we have to learn how to live in the power of baptism. The third discipline I told you was that you have to celebrate Holy Communion and know what it means and the spiritual ramifications for your life. Today, I'm saying to us,
that another spiritual discipline that we must exercise is walking in the spirit of forgiveness. We've got to forgive. Because the spirit of forgiveness is fundamental to being a disciple of Jesus. In the text, Jesus gives us a parable of the unforgiving servant, and it is a very thought-provoking parable. The background of this text is you would read verses 15 through 20 in chapter 18. That's the background, that's the context. Jesus deals with broken relationships. He deals with fractured fellowship. Sometimes things happen in life and you and the other person fall out. Look at somebody and say, I know all about that. And Jesus gives some insights about the issues of that fractured fellowship, broken relationships, and he gives some insights as to how we need to work toward mending, fixing, restoring the relationship. Because God wants us to be one with him and one with each other. Some of y'all are students of the Bible. You remember a certain lawyer asked Jesus one day, what are the greatest commandments? Jesus said the greatest commandment is that you should love the Lord your God with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And then he said, and the second is like unto it, you should love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Jesus says, you got to love God right, you got to love yourself right, and you got to love others right. Now the devil, he loves to see brokenness. He majors on causing fractured fellowships because he understands that when you are fractured, when you are broken, you don't have no peace. The word peace in the Hebrew language is the word shalom. And shalom means I live with wholeness. So many people are broken. The fracture ain't on the outside. The fracture is in their heart. It's in their spirit. It's in their mind. Have you ever listened to Jesus in John 17 when he talks about Father, let them be one as we are one? Jesus is all about oneness. And anybody who is against being one, anybody who treats people crazy and mean and gossips, um, causes discord you ain't in alignment with Jesus because he wants us to be one but sometimes we fall out with one another it happens look somebody again say so that's the truth 
Look at somebody and say, what you going to do about it? You, 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 you laughing now. In about seven minutes, I don't know if you're going to be laughing. Yeah, you think it's funny. Well, I, just, just stay with me. Because verse 21, Peter asked Jesus this question. Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times. See, Peter's trying to get around what Jesus done told him. And Peter says, now Lord, now he did me wrong. When I did what you said, he did it twice. Four, five. He did it seven times. Now Jesus, seven is completion. Now if he does it again, are you suggesting, Jesus, that I keep on forgiving him? Jesus said to Peter, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. When Jesus gave Peter that response, Jesus was not saying that we live our lives keeping a record of how many times we forgive people. But what Jesus was saying to Peter and what God is saying to us is that forgiveness has to become a way of life. It's a way of life. Jesus says that forgiveness is a principle of discipleship. It's a principle of discipleship. Forgiveness is a way of life. It doesn't matter who offends me. It doesn't matter how many times I've been forgiven or I have been offended rather. I'm going to keep on forgiving because it's my discipleship. It's my way of life. So take note then that when Jesus gets ready to, to teach the parable, Jesus says, therefore the kingdom of heaven is like. He uses this parable to give us insight on what the kingdom of God is about. Now here is your problem. You spend so many years of your life in church never thinking about the kingdom. Come on, you were laughing a while ago. <clears throat> you, you spend so many years of your life and church for you is just another organization in the city. It's just another institution. It's like the YMCA. It's like one of the social clubs. But that ain't church. This building ain't the church. You and I are the church. You and I are the body of Christ. And the, 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 the most tragic thing that could happen in your life 
is to be in church some 30, 40, 50, 60 years and you never ever understand what the kingdom of God is about. And sad to say, some people live like that in church all their life and they've never understood or they've never seen the kingdom of God. And every time this word is taught, every time this word is proclaimed, every time we come to worship, what God is trying to do is give you a picture of the kingdom of God because he has saved you. Listen to me, beloved. He has saved you to represent his kingdom. When you got saved, you said, I'm accepting Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior. Now, if he's the Lord of your life, that means he's the king of your life. If he's the king of your life, that means there's got to be a kingdom. And the calling on my life is every day is to represent the kingdom of God. And the way I entered into the kingdom was by the grace of God. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe on him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Saved by grace, unmerited, undeserved, and yet it's complete and it is restorative. Who am I looking at that's saved? Okay, y'all, is the mic working? Okay. Okay, here we go. Let's try it again. Let's try it again. Who, who am I looking at today that's saved? All right, now here's your praise to scream. Since you've been saved, you still have let God down. And even though you let him down, since you've been saved, he didn't throw you away. Because when he forgave you, It covered the sins of the past, sins of the present, sins of the future. So ain't nothing you're going to ever do that's going to make God give up on you. You ain't going to heaven on goodness, baby. You're going to heaven on grace. Saved by the finished work of Christ on the cross. Nothing but grace. Hmm. And Jesus, he takes um, an experience of the culture of the times in which he was ministering. That means he took a situation that the people of his day were very familiar with and used it to give them a revelation. That's what a parable is. A parable is an earthly story that has spiritual revelation. And he gives them this parable to teach them about the helplessness and hopelessness 
of a humanity that is absent of God. So, so Jesus says, here's the story. He says there's a king and he's got servants and he decided one day to do a reckoning with his servants. When he did so, he found out that one servant owed him about 10,000 talents. Means he owed him so much money that in reality, he could never pay him back. And the king says, well, I'm going to take you, your wife, and your children, and I'm going to have you sold. And then I'm going to take the money to satisfy my debt. The servant, the servant begged the king, please, don't sell me and my family. The king then considered the plea of this servant and he had compassion on him and he forgave him of all his debts. Then the servant who had been forgiven of all his debts, he goes out, brother man, <laughs> finds another servant who owed him 50 denarii which ain't even close to what he owed the king. And he, he said to this other servant, pay me what you owe me. The servant didn't have it. Jesus says, this servant who had been forgiven by the king grabs the other servant by the throat. Can y'all see that? Got him by the, his feet are dangling. Got him by the throat. Yeah, gangster style. <laughs> and he said, you pay me what you owe me. And the servant said, I ain't got it, bro, but if you just be patient with me, give me some time, I'll pay you back. But he wouldn't, he wouldn't show the servant compassion. Now here it is, he received compassion from the king, the king forgave him, but he won't show this other servant what the king showed him. So he had the servant thrown into prison. This is the manifestation of people who live their lives ruthlessly with the spirit of unforgiveness. Now I need to tell you, when you live with that spirit, the spirit of unforgiveness, you don't just hurt other people. You do great damage to yourself. As a matter of fact, you do more damage to yourself than you do others. So doctors, psychologists, psychiatrists all agree that much of the illness that vast amounts of people are grappling with 
is caused by repressed attitudes and feelings of bitterness, resentment, unforgiveness, hate, anger, malice, self-pity, and self-centeredness. You're doing a lot of damage to yourself because you wouldn't forgive. And when God sees it, see the other servants knew what the king had done for this other servant. When they heard about it, they told the, other, they told the king what the servant had done and the king didn't like it. God ain't pleased with us when we act like that. God, he, he don't like when you are holding those kind of grudges. God can't smile on you when you act like that because see you ain't representing him no more oh it ain't funny no more is it yeah now I'm about finished but I want I want to wrap this parable with what Jesus says in the model prayer now you call it the Lord's prayer but that ain't, that ain't really the best title. The best title is the model prayer. You know the one, Our Father, which art in heaven, that one. That prayer contains at least six principles. Principles of prayer. I'm going to come back at some point and, and teach it on Sunday morning. And I'm going to call it the principles of prayer. One of those principles in that prayer, you know it. Luke 11 verse 4 says it like this and forgive us our sins for we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us now Jesus when the disciples said Lord teach us how to pray and he gives us these principles of prayer one of the things Jesus says you pray for is you pray about forgiveness Forgive us our sins or forgive us our debts. The word debt is another word that can also be used for sin. Now everybody has sinned. Look at somebody again say he's talking about you too. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Everybody has sinned. So we got to start there. We all are in debt to God. Not most of us, not some of us. The Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Isaiah says all we like sheep have gone astray. All. And all means all. So all of us are in debt and we need God to forgive us. Now, what we want God to do then, what we pray for, as the people of God, is we're saying to God, 
I need you to erase God. I need you to eradicate all of my sins. Everything that I have done, God, I need you to forgive me. God, I need you to take my sins, put them in the lake of forgiveness, and then put a sign at the lake that says, no fishing here. Because I don't want nobody to go pull up something in my past. Leave it alone. Leave it alone. I don't know what's going on right now in my life because, because it looks like somebody keep trying to go back to North High School. That's why I went to high school in Nashville. And uh, uh, one of the sisters in the church sent my wife a picture, said I found some pictures of you and your twin sister Wanda at North High School. When I get a chance to talk to them, I tell them, you need to leave my past alone. <laughs> okay, just leave, leave my past alone. Then the other day, this brother comes up to me saying, uh, Malone, I passed a such and such church here in the city, and there's a brother named Cardwell, and he went to North High School, and he's been trying to get in touch with you. <laughs> I said, the devil is a liar. My high school don't exist no more. My past don't exist no more. Don't go back to North High School. Because if you go back there and you say Walter, they're not going to know who you're talking about anyway. Because that's when Walt was alive. Walt is the unsaved Malone. Walter is, I know Jesus. We, 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 we want to put our sins in the lake of forgiveness and put a sign that says no fish in here. Now don't look at me strange like that ain't what you want. Because somebody will walk up in here next Sunday who knows you. Have mercy, Lord. So Psalm 103, Psalm 103 puts it like this. Psalm 103 verse 10 says, Speaking of God, he has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor punished us according to our iniquities. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father pities his children, so the Lord pities those who fear him. For he knows our frame. He remembers that we are but dust. So when we pray, we say, forgive us our sins or our debts. But it goes on to say, as we forgive those who have sinned against us. Now you need to listen to this very carefully because there is a plea and there's a promise. And the plea and the promise is made by us. The plea, the plea is we say to God, forgive me for my sins. Then we make a promise to God, the Lord, if you forgive me for my sins, I'm going to forgive those who have sinned against me. But if you ain't going to keep your promise, then what makes you think that your plea is going to be heard. Now that prayer that you read in Luke 11, you read it also in Matthew chapter six. 
which is part of the Sermon on the Mount. But Matthew gives us something that Luke doesn't give us, and it's quite interesting, because I told you that in that model prayer, there are at least six principles. And this one principle about forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, that's the only principle in that prayer that Jesus gave extra commentary on it. And I think I need to help about 10 of y'all to understand this. That model prayer that you read in Luke 11 and here in Matthew 6, only believers can pray that prayer. The unsaved can't pray that prayer. The, uh, come on, the prayer starts out, our Father. Well, if you don't, if you ain't saved, you can't say that. This is only a believer's prayer. So the prayer is dealing with the spiritual ethics of the saved. And Jesus gives extra commentary on this one principle and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. He doesn't give any extra principle on anything else in that prayer but this. And you read it in Matthew chapter 6 verse 14. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive you your trespasses. If I want God to forgive me, it's in, it's, it, it is spiritually incumbent upon me to forgive others. I got to show others the same grace that God has shown me. Because if I don't, then I'm going to miss my blessing of God's grace. I'm going to miss my blessing of forgiveness. It's a bad thing to harbor stuff in your heart against the person who has hurt you. I'm not suggesting that they didn't hurt you. I'm not suggesting that what they did was not wrong. Okay, the person wronged you, the person hurt you. But the point is, how big are you gonna be? Well, I was waiting, Pastor, for them to come tell me they were sorry. But God says, no, you, you don't have to wait for them to say they, they may never say they sorry. How, how much like me do you want to be? This principle of forgiveness it's, the, it's, it's really the basis of our evangelizing others to Christ. Is it, Pastor? Yeah. Because I want to show you something that you may have missed in the parable in Matthew 18. The one, the story I just read, this is your place to shout. 
One servant is forgiven by the master, by the king, right? King had compassion on him. But when somebody owed him, he wouldn't show them compassion. What did the servant do to the other servant who he refused to show forgiveness? He had him thrown into prison. Now, when the parable comes to the close, the king confronts the man about not forgiving the other servant. But where is the other servant at this point? He's still in prison. So this servant who had received compassion from the king, what does he need to do? He needs to go to the prison and release the one who had offended him. How many people in our city, in the nation, around the world, right now are living with guilt? Living with brokenness? Living with a pain of failure? And they feel like their life don't count for nothing. They, they're, they're searching for God. They want to believe that God is real. They want to see their life changed. But because of the mistakes they've made in life, they feel like that their life is helpless and hopeless and it could never change for them. They may get on TV and watch a preacher teach the word of God. Somebody's watching me right now, probably weeping in their house, saying, preacher, you're talking about my story. And yet when they hear us talk about this gospel, they think it's for everybody but them. Because they say, as bad as I have been, there's no way I could recover. But I'm talking to some man, some woman right now. I'm looking at you right now through this camera. And I'm telling you, I don't care how far you have fallen. I don't care how dirty you think you have become. The God I know, he will save you. And he loves you. And he'll meet you where you are, but he won't leave you where he found you. And you want to know why I know? Because you couldn't have been worse than me. And if God can save a wretch like me, he can save anybody. Then the good news says God so loved the world. Not he so loved some. Not that he so loved the righteous. The Jesus, I know he's a He's, he's just a junk man. He specializes going in alleys, going places that nobody else wants to go, and he picks up what others have thrown away. He, he loves trash. And he has the ability to take trash and turn it into treasure. 
Your, your family threw you away. Other folk wrote you off. Other folks said you could never change. The devil's a lie and they are too. Because God can change your life. And the reason why we need to engage in personal evangelism. Oh, we got a marketing ministry and we market the church. But this is not a house of entertainment. This is a house of engagement. This is not, this is not a hotel for the righteous. It's a hospital for the sick. And you see, I don't care how much you on social media, social media can't do this. It can't touch. And people need to be touched. And nothing will ever replace personal evangelism. Nothing replaces you and I going to a man, going to a woman, sitting down, talking to them, sharing the good news and helping them to know you ain't always been saved. And then telling them your story and telling them how God brought restoration into your life. The principle of forgiveness says, I must go and share with others the good news of what God has done for me. That God forgave me so he can forgive you. Ain't that good news? Yeah. Now, it'd be good maybe for some of you if I would just stop right here and don't say nothing else. But I would leave it unfinished. Because you see, it is not simply that we need to go speak to people who we don't know and share the gospel with and tell them that God's forgiveness is available. <sighs> How many of you am I looking at this morning who needs to go talk to somebody that you have not forgiven. It, it ain't funny no more, is it? How, how many of you have ill feelings in your heart toward another person? You got anger? You got hatred, you got resentment, you have bitterness in your heart toward another person. For some of you, it may be someone who has actually died. They dead and you still ain't let it go. Some of you, while I'm speaking, You've already called the person to your mind. They're in your mind right now. Maybe it was your ex-husband. Maybe it was your ex-wife. Maybe it's your spouse right now. Maybe it's your children. Maybe it's your parents. My, my daddy wasn't there. He's alive, but he wasn't, he wasn't there. I know who my mommy is, but she forsook us. Maybe it's your sibling. I haven't spoken to my brother, I haven't spoken to my sister in years. Maybe it's the boss. Maybe it's a co-worker. But somebody hurt you. 
you, you haven't been willing to let it go. You have to release in order to receive. The people represent the church no matter where we are. So stay connected and reach others as we grow in Christ.